Good morning and welcome to Forward City's online broadcast on February 7th, 2021. Now, as we get started, I have a question for you. What is the hardest thing you've ever had to accomplish? I mean, what's that one thing that it just, it, it, it took all your energy, maybe all your strength, it just sapped you dried in order to be able to accomplish this task or the goal? A few weeks ago, I was listening to an episode of We Regret to Inform You when I heard the story of James Dyson. He went on to share in that podcast that when he and his wife had their third child, they had to move out of their current home and move into a home that was more practical for a family of five, and it was located in the city of Bath, which is west of London, England. Now, with this new home came new chores and and new responsibilities, and one of those chores was vacuuming. It was a bigger house, more space, and this particular place had more wood than it did carpet, so he realized that he needed to get a really good vacuum in order to clean his house properly. So he and his wife went out to the store, and they bought what was billed as the best vacuum cleaner known to man, the most powerful vacuum cleaner. And it was like this spaceship-looking apparatus, and he vacuumed the house because that's kind of his job. But over time, he realized that the vacuum cleaner, which was working perfectly before, was now losing its suction. So he did what everyone else does. He opened it up and realized that the bag was full. So he didn't have any other bags left in the house and he had more vacuuming to do. So he just took the bag, he emptied the contents of the bag into the garbage bin and then put the bag back in the vacuum cleaner. And as he did this, he was like, what an incredible idea. I can't believe I haven't thought of this before. I'm probably never going to have to buy another bag for the vacuum cleaner again. Because, I mean, you just empty it out, put it back in, and it's going to work. But when he turned it back on, he realized that it didn't have the suction that it had before. And he didn't understand why. Because the bag's empty, why isn't there the suction that it had? So he went to the store, and he bought some new bags, put a new bag in, and maybe something wrong with the vacuum cleaner. So he put a new bag in, and he was like realizing that, uh, oh, it's working now. So then he took the bags out and he, t- he examined the dirty one and he examined the new one and he realized that the reason why the vacuum cleaner wasn't having the same suction power wasn't because the, the vacuum cleaner bag was full. It was because the vacuum cleaner bag had a lot of dust and that dust was clogging the pores. So the issue wasn't the full bag. The issue was the bag was clogged. So... It was in that time period that he decided that he was going to invent the first bagless vacuum. Now, he was an engineer by trade, and he did a lot of um, innovative work, and he would try to invent a number of different things. And at this point, he's like, you know what? I, I don't know anything about vacuum cleaners, but I know there's got to be a better way. So he went out. And so for three years while he was working and doing you know, family and life, he, de- he, he devoted the rest of his time to developing the first bagless vacuum. And it took three years for him to get to, to the point where he could actually take that out there. But it was a tough process. This wasn't something that happened overnight. This wasn't something that was super easy for him to do. He went on to say that after he made prototype 2,627, they really started to count their pennies because they were in a bad financial place. But James Dyson didn't give up. And so after three years, on the 5,127th prototype, he finally held in his hand a full working model. It was perfect. 
100% suction, 100% of the time. And the best part about it, it didn't have a bag. And because of the fact that they had this massive debt and uh, their house, I mean, they had, they had absolutely no uh, capital. They couldn't develop and they couldn't manufacture this vacuum cleaner on their own. So he went out and shopped this brand new technology to all the vacuum cleaner companies in the area. And I mean, it's, it's a fantastic product. So he's like, hey, so Hoover, Electrolux and all the others. And he presented to anyone who would take him in to listen to him. And he told them about this and he showed them how this thing worked. And they all said, every single one of them said no. Because they were asking, you know, why would we want to have something brand new when what we have has worked all of, it's worked this whole entire time. And in fact, most of, or all the bag, um, the vacuum cleaner companies actually made a lot of money on new replacement vacuum cleaner bags. So why would they buy something that didn't need a bag? Because the issue wasn't that it was a bad idea. The issue was that it was bad for business. So we decided, well, since no one's going to give me the money to develop this, he was going to try to secure the funds himself. So he went to the bank and he talked to a bank manager. And to his shock, after time, the bank manager agreed to loan him 600,000 pounds. And he couldn't understand why because he really had no capital. They had their house up, um, up for collateral, but he didn't understand why were you giving me so much money? And the bank manager went on to say that the bank manager went home that night and he asked his wife and he said, what would it, what, what would it mean to you to have a vacuum cleaner that never needed a bag? And he said his wife responded that it would be life-changing. So in that time, as the bank gave him that money, he went on to, to manufacture the first bagless vacuum cleaner to the masses. And by 1995, after almost eight years of financial struggle and constant rejection, the Dyson dual clone vacuum cleaner became the number one selling vacuum cleaner in the UK. Dyson now has a bunch of different products and employs over 5,800 engineers and his company invests over $10 million per week in product development and innovation. And this once small company that started in the shed in his backyard now has annual company sales of $5.7 billion. I love this story because James Dyson had to stick it out through 5,126 prototypes to get to the prototype 5,127, his first working model. It took him years and constant rejection, but he finally accomplished his goal. Now, you and I, we, we may not have had to create or manufacture an innovative product like that, but each one of us have had the opportunity to experience the challenges of completing or accomplishing something extremely difficult. We've all had times in our lives where we've had to move upstream or go against the odds or take three steps forward after having been knocked two steps back. We've all had times where we've given up too quickly on jobs, relationships, or goals, or temptation. Where you didn't hold out or resist long enough, and because of that, you ended up falling. Candidly, I feel like sometimes I've given up on more things than I've actually accomplished. Now, I know that it's not totally the case, and I know I'm being a bit self-deprecating, but I can't tell you how many times I've had some great ideas. I've set some beautiful goals only to not complete those goals 
I've had great ideas and not actually crossed the finish line with those ideas. I've started off really strong and I've gone through the middle pretty well, but then I get to the spot where I just give up on the goals. And I can't tell you how many times I've done that. Now, part of it's because I've had unrealistic expectations, and I, sometimes I set very unrealistic goals. These goals are way too big or at the wrong time in my life. And so, yeah, I get sometimes it's because of that. But honestly, more often than not, it's the reason why I give up on those goals is because it starts off good, but then it gets a little harder. It gets a little bit more difficult, or maybe it gets more inconvenient. More often than not, the excitement begins to wear off. I'm super stoked at the very beginning and I'm geared up and I'm ready to roll. But over time, I start to lose the excitement of completing those goals. So I just give up. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? I mean, remember when you decided that you were going to get into this brand new Bible reading program. You were going to read and you were going to pray and it was just going to be a very beautiful thing for you. I mean, some of you, uh, like me, we decided we're going to read through the Bible in an entire year. The whole year we're just going to read it and we're going to get through the Bible. You started a great program. And for some of you, it's when you decided that you were going to help out at the breakfast mission. You were so excited to be able to work alongside Forward City family and serve our community. Or for some of you, it was when you joined a life group for the first time so you can build community and relationships and accountability. But what happened? Like over time, that excitement kind of just wears down a little bit. Maybe it just got more inconvenient. Maybe it got more difficult. Maybe you had other things that kind of started to war with those times. And so what happened? You just didn't read as much anymore and you kind of put that plan aside. Or maybe when that time comes when you know you're going to serve, you just didn't want to serve that week and you looked for other reasons to not go. Maybe in your life group, it's just, it, it, instead of being the number one priority, it's kind of gone down the list of other things. You still love Jesus. You still want to grow in Him. But what was at once a, a high priority just kind of has got knocked down a little bit. You've just lost some of that motivation to keep going on and on. And this is why the passage we're going to talk about today is so incredibly important and so incredibly encouraging because today we are going to learn that it is possible to follow through to the end. It is possible to not give up. It is possible to be faithful. It's possible to finish the race that God has set before you. Not in perfection, but to finish the race without regret, without bitterness, and without things left undone. See, you and I, as followers of Christ, we don't have to limp across the finish line. It's possible for you and for me to finish well. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. When the Apostle Paul is summing up his life here to Timothy, he uses three different images, and two of those images have an athletic background. See, he's like a determined wrestler or boxer who has fought the good fight. 
He's also like a runner that he has finished his lifelong race victoriously. He has kept the rules and now deserves the prize. And the third image he uses is that of a steward who has faithfully guarded his boss's deposit when he says, I have remained faithful. After looking at Paul's life and reading this passage, it is so incredibly inspiring and encouraging. But at the same time, it's almost difficult to read. Because I know Paul's life and you know Paul's life. Paul went through his life as a follower of Christ with a target on his back everywhere he went. He went on to preach to people who didn't accept the message and in the end ended up trying to kill him. He was stoned multiple times. He was, he was uh, beaten to the point of almost death multiple times. He was shipwrecked twice. He was attacked. He was imprisoned. He was jailed for his faith. He was persecuted so severely all throughout his ministry life. And yet he finished strong. And I listen to that and I hear that and I think, of course, of course Paul could do it. But what hope do I have? And you're probably thinking, what hope do you have? Because you see all that he's gone through and yet he was able to remain faithful. And yet you and I, we can't even remain faithful to a reading plan. You and I can't even be faithful to pray for people regularly. So how, how, how can we ever hope to finish like Paul when you and I know how easy it is for us to get knocked off mission? How we can start so well, but then get knocked off when things get a little bit difficult. We've never had to go through the things that the apostle Paul did. And he went through those and he ended faithfully. How in the world can you and I end by finishing the work that God has before us? How can you and I end well? And as if the Apostle Paul knew you were thinking that and knew I was thinking that and knew Timothy was thinking that, he goes on to say this. And the prize is not just for me but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. See, this is why Paul wrote this letter. This is why it's been preserved for us because Paul knew that Timothy was going to struggle. Paul knew that Timothy was going to think he wasn't going to make it. Paul knew that Timothy was going to doubt himself. Paul knew that Timothy and you and I were going to be afraid and we were going to let fear overtake us from the mission of God. And so he tells him, you know, Timothy, it's going to get harder. It's hard now, but it's going to get worse. Persecution is going to get more intense. The more we wait on Jesus Christ's return, it's going to be more difficult. Listen to what he says. People will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. He's been in light of this, Timothy. You know, my job's finished, but you have more work to do. So keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news. And carry out the ministry that God has given you. The Apostle Paul is telling Timothy and he's telling you and he's telling me that you don't have to be perfect. I mean the Apostle Paul was one of the first people to say that he's not perfect. 
He went on to share about his baggage and his past, but yet that he is saved by grace through faith. But yet as a follower of Christ, he still struggles to do the things that he knows he should do. And he still struggles by doing the things that he knows that he shouldn't do. So he's not looking at perfection here. He's not saying, I've completed my race. I've completed it in perfection. He's saying, Timothy, I'm not perfect, but I got to the end. I've completed the task that God has given me and you can do that too. I'm not expecting, God's not expecting perfection, but what he's asking you to do is to go on the race that is set before you with endurance and perseverance. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. In 1 Corinthians 10, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But, you, but when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. These two words, endurance and perseverance, often get interchanged in our conversations. But there's a very subtle and a very important difference between the two. Endurance is to undergo like a hardship without giving in, while perseverance is to persist in a state or enterprise or undertaking in spite of counter-influences, opposition, or discouragement. See, endurance is, is like playing defense. It's like standing firm while all, the, while all the odds are coming at you. It's like saying, you know, it doesn't matter what temptation comes at me. It doesn't matter what hardship comes at me. It's not going to compromise my character or my integrity. So while endurance is like defense, perseverance is like playing offense. It's, it's the moving forward where endurance is standing firm. Perseverance is like moving forward with all odds against you. It says when the circumstances or hardships or persecutions come at me because of my faith, I am not going to be knocked off mission. This second letter to Timothy is so important for you and for me today. We need to keep reading it. Because unlike any other time in our history, we're tired. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I am just so tired. I'm done with COVID. <laughs> I'm done with lockdown. I'm done with not being able to gather. It's getting hard. I'm such a, a people person and the fact that we can't gather together, we just can't be together as a family in the way that we would want to do that. It, it's, it's getting hard. It, it's hard to see people who have needs and not really being able to meet those needs as I'd like to. So I don't know about you, but I'm just, I'm just tired. And if we're not careful... This weight, this, this feeling of tired, if we're not careful, this is going to take away the joy of the Lord in our lives. And Satan is going to use this to destroy God's church. And so why this is so important for us, we need to be reminded like Timothy, especially in these times to fan the flame of God. To not let the circumstances that we find ourselves in kind of like dim the light of Jesus Christ in our lives. We need to also be reminded that even though we are worn out, we have the power of God to continue to move forward. 
And every time we just feel like giving up, every time we feel like just giving in to the temptation or giving in to the struggle or giving in to anger or to frustration, we need to be reminded that we don't, we haven't been given the spirit of fear, but we have been given the spirit of power and love and self-discipline. And all those times when we feel like just giving up, we need to be reminded like Timothy to finish the race. Now, I don't know a whole lot. And you guys know I'm not the smartest person, you know. We, we know that. But one thing I do know, when it comes to our character and when it comes to the mission of God, it's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to give up. Because some of our greatest breakthroughs and victories will come on the other side of the trials and circumstances. When you and I live fearlessly and courageously, without reservations, regardless of the circumstances that we find ourselves in, when we live with endurance and perseverance, when it comes to the time for our last breath, we can say, mission completed. And in that moment, when we go to be with our Lord and Savior, we will hear His words whispering into our souls, well done, thou good and faithful servant. See, the question is, isn't whether you and I are going to finish. The question that we need to wrestle with is when we do finish, will we finish well when God finally calls us home? Forward City, I love you, and I will be praying for you as you live every day with endurance and perseverance. Have a great week. God bless you.